So good morning again, beautiful people of God. I just want to encourage you that um, there's such a power in being still. There's such a power in trust in the move of God because he said so, not because of physical evidence. There's such a power in trusting God because he's trustworthy and learning that. I'm learning how to believe for God and what he's doing. It's something I had the opportunity to share with um, Nellie and her sister, um, being able to see God in the moment being able to acknowledge God in the moment, not after it's done and after everything is made. Oh my God, I, I didn't know all the time God was working it out. But if you can see God in the process, if you can see God in the moment, you hear me, somebody say amen. If you could be, if God can walk with you, I, I remember when I was homeless and um, everything was going wrong and we were poor and we were broke and nothing seemed to be working right. Um, and I was believing, I was crying out to God. I was on my face and I was doing all the good Christian stuff. And I was even being nicer to people and opening doors. You know, you know how you can behave when you, you believe in God for something, you act so much nicer, you don't, you don't let people get on your nerves and nothing. You just can behave yourself when you believe in Jesus for something. And I was uh, in that place, I was believing God and God showed something to me that time. And I remember this is about at least a couple of decades ago. God said to me, I need you to see me while I'm moving and I need you to be the part of the process. I don't need you to join in after the process is done. I need, I want you to grow up and mature that you can hold my hand and walk with me through the process and see me moving in the process. See, sometimes we can get so caught up in where we are, we forget where God said we're going. And then you start to judge where you're going based on where you are instead of listening to God when he said where you're going. And so I, be, I prayed to God, God, help me. I want to walk with you through this. I don't want to figure it out after it's done. I want to, you know, so many times, even in the Bible that the disciples said, and he said this, and now we remember, you know, and they were able to pull it together after the fact. But what a wonderful thing when God can walk and talk with you in the cool of the day like he did with Adam. See, that's his plan. We're still talking about freedom and how high it is. God doesn't want you figuring it out after it's done. He wants you to be a part of the process and work with him. All things work together for the good. See, we got to work together with God for the good. When you say all things work together, then you say, well, whenever thing bad happens, it works together for the good. No, God's saying work with me, work in harmony with me, and it all comes out for the good. So as I was getting ready for, the, for what I was shared today, I looked up the scripture that I already, God had already given me, like when I first started this message. And I want you to go with me to John chapter 11. And I'm starting at verse one. And today... Unlike normal, I'm reading from the King James Version. But there's certain things I just want to bring just straight 
from this version. I don't want to NIV it today. I want to really just share it just from in the, in the old English. Now there was a, a man, there was a, a certain man was sick. His name is Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and his sister Martha. So we already know we is Mary and Martha. You know, most of you know this story, but I just want you to take a journey with me right now as we continue to study the height of freedom, right? And it was that May which anointed Jesus that anointed the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Now, that spoke to me, and I want to bring this in. It was that Mary, say that with me, it was that Mary. Which Mary? The Mary who wiped her feet with Jesus, I mean, wiped Jesus' feet with her hair and her tears. Wait a minute, no, no, no. It was that Mary. Lavis' sister was that one who they said, she, she, do he know what kind of woman that is? Sound a little rank right now. That's, that was the hoe, Mary. She used to be a hoe. See, no, you're, 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 I'm just trying to preach real stuff to y'all, all right? That was that Mary. They, they, well, hold up. They, they went and made sure they made a point. It was the same Mary who, with her alabaster box and her tears and her wiping his feet, and they saying, if you knew what kind of woman that was, how dare you let her touch you? Now has a relationship with Jesus where she can send Jesus a text message and Jesus shows up. I, I just want to make sure you understand. We read these stories, we miss... God don't care about your past. He don't care about how rank you used to live. All you got to do is have a relationship with him. And when you call him, he'll show up. I, 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 I bring this up to my sons and daughters online here because I need you to understand this. Whenever you're reaching out to God for anything, you know he always tries to throw your past in your face. He always tries to remind you of your mistakes. He always tries to tell you what's wrong with you and what you ain't achieved yet. And if you could just get that, and maybe it's something wrong in you. Maybe he ain't answering you because there's some sin in your life. And maybe it's some sin you don't even know about. He's judging you on that. I mean, God, come on now. He's saying, if you surrender your life to me, and you commit your life to me, I don't care what you used to do. I'm on my way. I want us to be a people of expectation. I want us to understand that when you pray, as he leads you to pray, even though you don't see immediately in front of you the move the way you want to see it, he would have to close his ears intentionally to not hear you. Are you listening to me, saints? Picture God sticking his finger in his ears and going, because he don't want to hear your words. Just try to picture that. It doesn't make sense. So I want you to know, saints, your prayers are heard. Mm -mm -mm -mm. Y'all didn't get that yet. Your prayers are heard. I'm going to say it two more times. When you pray, your prayers are heard. And he says, 
if we know that we he hears us, we must believe that he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, then we know that we have the petition that we set before him. That's scripture. But yeah, but I know maybe my walking well. Well, they made sure they pointed out it's that one. It's that same one, you know, by the way. It's the one who cleans his feet with a with, with her hair. But what we need to understand is not only is it the one that cleaned her feet, is cleaned the feet with her hair, it's the one that they said, wait a minute. Why would he let this woman do? He know what she used to do. That's old Club and Mary right there. That's her. This is the same one. Oh, you're not listening to me. That the sister said, "Why isn't she working like me? I serve in the ministry. I'm cooking the food. I'm laying out." And Jesus said, "Let her sit here because that's it's that same one. Sort it pass." It's that same one. They ain't let her in church. Because they said you wouldn't even let her touch you if you knew what kind of woman she was. You know what kind of woman, the kind of man you are? You the kind of woman and man that once you give your life to Jesus, you can call him and he don't care about what you used to be. He don't care about what you was last week. If you're seeking him today, he's there to answer you. I'm trying to teach you guys in this season a level of freedom that goes beyond church and religion and religious beliefs. God's love for you is bigger than anything you ever could do or have done. Can I get an amen from somebody on that? I'm starting to come to this realization that this love, hmm, I was talking to God and I said, God, what am I, you know, I would ask him a lot, but I would ask him in frustration. But this time when I came home, I started asking him from a different place. Why am I in Florida? You put me here. You know, you told me to pull my instruments out, stop playing it again, but nothing is happening. I've made no real connection that could make any difference. I'm not making any money here. I'm just spending money here. Like, what am I doing here? And he said to me, I sent you there to rest. Why don't you do it? Why don't you take advantage of it? I sent you there to rest. And the things that will come out of it will come out of it. Women and men of God, God called you to rest in him. Rest. But I got to do this. If I don't do this, I'll make this happen. Things may not happen. Okay. And, and, And how's that working for you? And you're doing all of that and you're still where you were five years ago. He called you to rest in him. Look at the birds of the air. They toil not. Neither do they spin. Yet your heavenly father feeds them. And you're not much better than they. This is the, the revelation. So I, don't, I know I get off in the preaching and I just got all off of the, the, let me get back in my scriptures. But I hope I blessed you and I hope I gave you something. Okay. So it was that same Mary. They don't say nothing bad about Martha. But there's Mary. The one who does that which is needful. I just want to make sure we understand this. Whose brother now is dying. And based on that relationship, they could call him. Based on that servitude. Come on now. Therefore, his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou loves is sick. Now, they're they, they going to take it to another level. Not only do we know you are boy, we know you love us. 
And we reaching out to you. Listen to me close. Look at the screen. Listen to what I'm about to say. We reaching out to you on the basis that we know you love him. Why you can't get prayers answered? Because you don't call God based on the fact that you know he loves you. You're reaching out to him, hoping that he cares enough for you to fix your little problem. And I hope I could just, just be just enough and do just enough to make him acknowledge me. And if you would reach out to him on a basis and the simple fact that I know you love me, that's enough. I told you, I'm going to tear this scripture apart right here today. He don't care about your past. And all you need to know when you call him is that he loves you. In your prayer time tonight, today, whenever, I want you to practice from now on going before God saying, God, I may not have done everything right. And I even messed up some stuff this week. But I'm calling you because I know you love me. I know you love me. I know you love me. And so I'm reaching out to you now. I'm calling on you. I don't care if you're in tears. I don't care if you feel like you just had to repent from the worst thing you could have ever said out your mouth, whatever. I want you to say, God, I'm reaching out to you today. I repent for all I did and all that stuff. But before we touch on any of that, I'm calling on you for help because I know you love me. And it's his love for you that motivates him to do what he does. Not your tears, not your crying, not how powerful your confession is, even all the seeds and tithes you sow. Don't be pulling on God based on that. Remember I said, sow up first. You love me and I love you. And based on that criteria alone, I got a right to come to you and say, show up for me. Did that speak to somebody? Because he loves me. Oh, my God. Just the revelation of that has changed my life in this past week. I've always known he's loved me, but he was like, call on me because you know I love you. Don't come giving me a laundry list of all the stuff that's wrong with you first. Come to me first and say, I'm coming to you because I know you love me. Even now when you lay out your laundry list, you feel a little bit better because you say, but I know you love me. So I know you're going to work it out. You're going to show up for me. Can I get a strong amen, even if I can't hear you? Amen. Amen. I'm telling you, God said, we're going to tear this apart today. His sister sent to him saying, Lord, the one that, behold, the one that you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the son of God might be glorified thereby. So Jesus already proclaimed an outcome. Come on, people. I'm saying every verse in here is so packed with power. I could preach a sermon on every sentence. Jesus said, this sickness is not unto death, but that the son of God might be glorified. Jesus has determined an outcome for every situation that's in front of you right now. If you called on him and said, because you love me, come help me. Jesus right away speaks what the outcome is. This ain't unto death. Come on, saints. I've read this my whole life and never caught any of this. When you go to God because he loves you and you call on him, he automatically pronounces an outcome for you. Before you heard it, before Lazarus' sisters got it, before Lazarus' body understood it, because his body eventually still died. But Jesus spoke an outcome 
the moment the prayer or the, or the request was made for him to show up based on his love. I can stop the message right there, but I can't because there's more. There's more. We didn't even get past three verses yet. And look at all the power that's in this stuff. He spoke an outcome. So I hope you're keeping notes. That same Mary, they called on him based on his love and he spoke the outcome, a positive outcome before they even knew what the outcome was. I want to get off of that, but I want to make sure I drive that home for you. Can I, can I go a little further with that? Is that okay? The outcome of God on your life and my life, he's not figuring it out as you pray. I just need to make sure you understand this. Cause I think we of this belief that when we pray, God says, oh, okay, let me check my schedule hand. Look at my calendar. Let me see what's on my Rolodex and what other things I need to do. You know, it's like he proclaims the outcome. Martha and Mary didn't hear that yet. Only the people with him heard it. When you go before God, God has a designated outcome for your situation. You either receive it or don't receive it based on your stand, your position, or your point of view. But the outcome is determined. It's not unto death. It ain't over. Somebody say it ain't over yet. It's not over. If you ask for God and you know that he loves you in it, the outcome, he's predetermined it. And, and here's why I didn't want to let this point go. And I want you to listen to me. I want you to listen to me real close. God is beginning to show me that I hinder the outcome by speaking my outcome or what I'm expecting or what I'm trying to get him to do over what he's already spoken that I haven't yet heard. Remember, I started this message saying I want to walk with him. I don't want to get there and go, oh, that's what you were doing in my life. I made that decision. No, I want to, I want to walk this out with you. I want to hold your hand. I want to see every time you, and be able to say, why don't you turn the corner this way? And he can say to me, oh, because I'm not going the way you think I'm going. Where I'm taking you is better and bigger. But once we predetermine the outcome, we limit the move of God. He may still move, but he don't get to move. No, I want to take you 15 blocks up. But since you parked here, I'm going to look out for you here. But that wasn't the plan. I want for all of us to come to, to, to the serious, strong realization and revelation that when I pray and we pray to God, God already said, oh, yeah, that's, that's going to be fine. Oh, yeah, I got this. Oh, yeah, I'm not caught off guard by this. I saw this attack coming on your health. I saw this attack coming on your finances. I saw this attack coming on your life and your family. I saw all of this already. I saw it. I'm not caught off guard. This is not unto death. This is not over. Isn't it? Yeah, I'm on my way. But you're going to have to keep standing on what you believe in. But how, do, how do I know? You know what he's saying? That's what prayer is for. Not for you to go to God and say, I ain't got no money. I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills. My body don't feel well. I don't know what's going on. But that's not the time for that. That time is for you to get before God and say, okay, God, I pray to you. I know you love me. I gave it to you. I know you already spoke an outcome. 
get me on the same page with you so that we can walk this out together. Is this helping you? Is this helping you? If you catch what I'm saying today, your life is going to change like that. God does everything for me and you because he loves us. I thought it was my tithes, my giving, my gifts, all of that stuff. No, those are acts of faith. He does it because he loves me. Nothing else motivates the move of God but his love. Nothing else motivates the move of God but his love. God so loved the world that he came and he gave his son. Nothing motivates God but love. And then these seeds are for me to sow toward my own faith, to get myself in expectancy, to get myself in a place that I know I did what he said, and therefore the fruit is going to manifest. That is what this tithe and the seed and the, and the giving and all that is for. That's for you to be in alignment. But he does it because he loves you. I want a subtitle in this message because he loves us. Because he loves us. I got Kwame's attention. He turned the camera on. Because <laughs> he loves you, baby. Because he loves you. It's never going to be about anything but that. So watch this now. I'm going to move on now. So Jesus spoke the word. The sickness isn't unto death. Son of God's going to be glorified. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister, Mary, that Mary, you know, her, that one, right? The hair, the hair, yeah, same one. He loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the place where he was. Then after that, he and his disciples he said to his disciples, let's go to Judea again. Now, I want you to understand this. Have you ever prayed? Be honest with me. Come on. Don't, 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 don't. BS before God right now. Pray before God. And the time came close. And like it was passing, and he didn't move yet. And you automatically decided he didn't answer. He didn't hear or he didn't care. Come on. This said he heard it. But he decided it, it wasn't such a big rush as you think it is. He has some other things to do. I'm going to take care of that. No, I don't know if you're hearing me. Let me, let me scream it. <laughs> he heard you. He knows when the answer needs to be there. He's got it. He heard you. Somebody say, he heard me. He already decided what the conclusion is. And he's coming when he needs to come. He knows. Some of you are going to turn your days around starting from this moment. He heard me. I know you heard me. And when I finally got quiet, I said, God, what am I here for? He said, to rest. I sent you there to rest. 
I sent you there to heal. I sent you, I sent you there to get free from all the pressure that was immediately around you. I sent you there to be free. Why are you looking for more stuff to do to clutter yourself up? I sent you there to be quiet. I've been here a whole year fussing with God about what am I here for? I finally had to be still and say, God, what am I here for? See, I asked the same question, but two different spirits, two different approaches, babies. One was complaining and one was, what am I here for? I'm going to interrupt, but not interrupt to share a revelation I got today. Spoke to Lindsay this morning, spoke to Nellie this morning. And I was thinking about things that had manifested and things that, as Nellie said, she was had this rough week because she was, you know, saying, God, where's the this and where's the that and where's the this? And I shared a word with her after I prayed with her and um, all of a sudden revelation began to come. And something clicked. And here's what God said to me. You notice all the other times that she called or they different people would call you and you have to give them a word of encouragement? I said, yes. He said, but just now you gave her a word of instruction, just like I had to give Lindsay about her apartment. I said, yes. And God said these words. He said, when you're not in the place where you're willing to be instructed, all I can give you is encouragement. I don't give you direction until you're to the place and you mature to the place that you are ready for direction. So every time you go to somebody in leadership or every time you go to church or get on the prayer line and they keep giving you words of encouragement, it's because you're not ready for words of instruction. Your spirit ain't aligned to stuff where God can say, okay, now go to the corner, turn to the left and turn that doorknob. He can't do it yet. I told you it's getting real today. It's getting real today. God gives instruction when you're ready for instruction, when you've allowed your heart to be quiet enough and still enough and trusting enough. That it, don't you realize God usually answers your thing when you run out of yourself? Don't you realize that? Don't you notice your prayers usually get answered when you stop trying to do it in your own strength and telling them what you can't do? And I don't have enough and I don't know any people. And I, and, 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 and he's all right, well, then that's where we are. I'm just going to keep encouraging you. But the moment you get still and say, God, you know what? I trust you. You love me. You called me to do this. Then all of a sudden you get a word of instruction, either directly to yourself or somebody will call you or you're running to somebody and they'll speak the word right to your face. In the simplest of things, he'll do that. I was up here looking because I know whenever I'm in PA, there's, you know, these um, farmers markets and all these fresh vegetables and foods and all this stuff. And so now I've been juicing. Um, Nellie talked me, got me into juicing. I didn't want to do it, but I did it. And praise God, it's been a blessing to me. It's helped me a lot. My skin is clear and my, my, you know, everything, my prostate, I can feel the difference in my body. My blood pressure's come down. You know, once again, says you just a blessing from God to me. Thank you. And so I'm like, when I get back to Florida, I'm like, I don't know no farmer's market. Got to go to Whole Foods. They overcharge for everything. You know, oh, when I'm in PA, there's a farmer's market up the block. You could get like 
50 pound bag of spinach for three dollars i'm exaggerating but you know what i'm talking about it's like everything I, and here everything is just ridiculous you know i want to know where a farmer's market is so Lindsay said when i come out there i'm gonna help you find one and i was like yeah, that's nice but no god i'm already out here help me find a farmer's market i ain't waiting for her to, to make a trip to florida for me to have a find a farmer's market so i'm asking everybody and they're sending me this i'll go over here i'll go in every place i go there's somebody with some fruits and vegetables in the street there ain't no farmer's market you know, and then they still, they charging good prices for them. There ain't no farmer's market. I want a market market. And so uh, this guy sent me up to this one place. He said, you got to go on a Saturday. So I go up there. I drive up. There's a distance from me. I get there. Nothing. I'm asking my, where's the farmer's market? No farmer's market. I'm asking people. No, I don't know. You're talking about finding one guy says to me, oh, yeah, they were here that couple of Saturdays. They're not here all the time. They, it, they have like a schedule. They show up. I'm like, so what, I got to wait like twice a year for the farmer's market. So I'm on my way, walking back to the car. And I said, I felt the frustration trying to come on me. I said, God, I need, I need a farmer's market. And this might sound like a silly story, but it blessed me. And I'm walking back and I pass a barbershop of all places. And this kid is sitting there. He can't be more than 22, 23 years old. He don't know nothing about no farmer's market. He don't even look like he eat farmer's market stuff. God said, go ask him. I was like, I'm not going to go ask this kid. He, and he don't even look like he want to be bothered right now. You know, he got that look like I'm on the phone. Don't come over here. Go ask this kid. All right, Lord. Three or more people standing right there on the bus stop that are more mature. That look like they may know about a farmer's market. But God said, go speak to this little kid. This kid is like this big, <laughs> you know. And I walk over to him, I said, excuse me. I've been looking all over for a farmer's market. Somebody told me it was one was here, but it's not here. He said, oh, you in the juicing? I'm like, uh, yeah. Said, oh, yeah, me and my girlfriend, like, we're into that. We're into that. And then he started just dropping them. It's one over here. And if you just go right up there, there's one up there. And, there's a, and, and he had the whole history. And then he started telling me different kind of juices I can make. And all kind. I'm like, wow. God, you knew that one kid. We're sitting right there to the answer that I prayed a week or two ago about a farmer's market. You didn't answer it that day, but you, when I said I need to find a farmer's market, Jesus said to whoever was around him, that's taken care of. I'm going to do some other stuff, but I got his farmer's market. I'm going to set it up. I'm going to make sure that boy's there that day getting his hair cut. And then when he goes up there on Saturday looking for the farmer's market, I'm going to have him go speak to that little nerdy little boy that looked like he looked weighed 100 pounds wet and go talk to him and he going to tell him about not only the farmer's market but all kind of juices he can make and the best places to go and who have the best price he's like no don't go to whole food whole food they don't even have the good stuff you got to go here and he's told me about a chain called sprouts that i didn't even know existed and it's just it's an end ah, just, I've, I've been in, i've been there a few times already i didn't know there was red beets and gold beets and different color beets and you know beautiful I'm saying this to you. I'm telling my story because I'm excited that God cares about even that little stuff, just little simple stuff like that, that you don't think is a big deal. It was a big deal to me. I didn't want to spend all that money in Whole Foods. He showed me where the farmer's mind. Oh, my God. It just has everything in there. You, next time any of you come out here, we go in there. We're going to go see these markets. They're just beautiful. So my point is this. Everything that concerns me, God cares about. But God said, when you make the decision to do, when you make the decision that it's your time, I'll give you instruction. 
I'll provide resource. But why are you on your face praying and crying out and all that? I'm going to be there with you and I'm going to comfort you and I'm going to tell you it's going to be all right, baby. Just hold on. It's just a matter of time. You're almost there. You're right at the door. This is, it's coming. But when you get in that place where you get still, then he's going to say, go down the corner. Make a right turn. And that husband you believe in for or that way, he's going to be there. But not until I get you still. Because you're going to go to him and frustrate him. Now I'm putting all these expectations on him because we don't, we have a tendency not to see the move of God when it's happening. We'll be complaining about it and it's right in front of our face. I just want to share these things with you. I just want to wake your faith up. I, want, I thought I would get through this whole story by now. Let me see how much time I got. I got, I got another 15 minutes. Let's, let's, let's knock it out. Let's see what we can do. I can't promise you anything. We might have to do part two. Okay. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed there a few more days, right? Verse seven. And after he said to his disciples, let's go to, to, into Judea, Judea again. And the disciples said to him, master, the Jews of late sought to stone you there. You want to go there again? Okay, wait a minute. So now he's going to a place. I see these little elements of the story we missed. They sent it for Jesus to come back to a place where people tried to kill him. Jesus, well, let's go. All right, you want to go there? Yeah. My boy need me. My girl need me. Yeah, I'm going to go there. Of course, ain't no place Jesus is afraid to go now or concerned about going now and nobody trying to take his life now. Well, I guess if you want to, you know, look at, you know, the liberal media, I guess, yeah. But my point is, Jesus is going to get him to show up to where you are. He don't care where you are. He's not threatened by the environment. We'll get off of that. I won't go hard on that. So his disciples said, they tried to stone you there. Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in a day? I want you to listen to this. And Jesus answered to them, are there not 12 hours in a day? If any man walks in the day, he stumbles not because he sees the light of the world. But if a man walks in the night, he stumbles because he has no light in him. He's not talking about day and night. He's talking about clarity or dark. He's talking about you can see or you can't. He's talking about you, you know I love you and I got you or you don't. He's talking about you have faith and believe that I'm your covering or you don't. He's talking about you even see who I am and, who, and how I work for you or you don't. If you go in the doctors, you go around operating out of your flesh and operating out of your emotions, operating out of all situations around you, you're going to stumble. But if you see me, you're going to walk clear. If you hold in my hand, if you're walking beside me, you're going to be all right. He's saying, if you walk around in darkness, aren't there 12 hours in a day? What you, no, I think he's talking about day and night. No, he made it very, very clear. When they were there and they tried to kill him before, it was in the day. So if they were to try to kill him again or stone him again, it's in the day. He's not talking about that kind of day. He's talking about if you walking with God and you walking in the clear purpose of that he's called you to, you don't stumble. It's when you're trying to figure it out in your own flesh and do it in your own power and, and figure out your own ways to be who God has called you to be, you will stumble you fall. You walking in darkness. You groping in darkness. That's why complaining people never get answers. Murmuring, complaining, moaning, whining. I don't know where God is. And I've been praying all the time. God said, well, I still love you and all of that, but you know what? You're not acknowledging it. Keep going. I can, I'll tell you, every verse I can do a sermon on, but I'm trying to compose myself because this is a lot of stuff. Are you learning something? 
Hmm. There's 12 hours in every day. If a man walks in the day, he don't stumble because he sees the light of the world. But if a man walks in the night, he stumbles because there's no light. Notice he didn't say, this is, proves my point, because there's no light in him. You notice he didn't say there's no light outside. So he's not talking about a, the light in the day. He's talking about in you. When the light is in you and you can see, you can see the world and you can navigate the world. But if you're walking in darkness and you let the world pull the hood over your head, then you're going to stumble because there's no light in you. Got it? These things he said, and after that he has said unto them, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but we'll go and awake him out of his sleep. So again, he wasn't surprised that he passed. He knew exactly what he was doing. Then the disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he should do well. How be if Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought he had spoken of him taking a nap. So churchy. Then he said unto them plainly, ah, ah, Lazarus is dead. Like I try to explain it to you, but I try to say it to you in a, in, 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 in a spiritual way that you would get it. But since you're not getting it, I can see him going, Lazarus is dead. He's not taking a nap. And I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. I'm glad I wasn't there. I'm glad I, I intentionally didn't show up when you asked me to so that when I show up, you can see that there's no way around this but me. There's those times in your life that you calling God, he ain't showing up when you want him to. He gonna let you sit it out. He gonna let you, he gonna let you sit with a minute. He gonna let you hold it a minute. He gonna say, oh, let me see how you stand when the stand look like it. After I haven't done all the stand, stand there for. Let's see if you're gonna do that because your, your, your faith is tested. And I tell people all the time, not in disease and sickness and all that. Your faith is tested or watch this, evaluate it, same word. God don't put disease and stuff on you to see what you're going to do. That's a lie and it's foolishness. You understand what I'm saying? It's a lie and it's foolishness to believe that God will put stuff on you. But look at this, the balance of it. And, and the scripture said, no evil misfortune or calamity come from the Lord. So we got that if you believe the word. But let's take the balance of that. God showed me this as a baby Christian. He said, people keep saying tests and trials come from me to see what you're going to do. Well, first of all, if he got to test you to see what you're going to do, he's not God. God's supposed to be omniscient. He's supposed to know all things. So he don't have to test you to see what you're going to do. But God asked me this question as a young believer. He said, even if you want to consider that these tests are from me, even if that's what you want to consider and accept that as a truth, fine, take it. He said, am I not the teacher? Yes. Am I not the master tactician? Yes. I'm not your guide and direction? Yes. Would a good teacher give you a test without first giving you the answers and preparing you for it? The test is the opportunity to regurgitate what you know. So that means if there's a test and you're not passing it immediately, that means you didn't study to show yourself approved. 
That means that you didn't sit before the Lord long enough to get the answers that you needed. Because if you know the answers, when the test come, you take it, you finish, you leave the class while everybody else is still sitting in it. Nobody struggles with a test when you know the answers. A test is not scary if you know the answers. The answers are simple. Satan come to test him with, with lack of hunger, and he says, get thee behind me. Get thee behind me. I know who my source is. I've served the Lord and the Lord only. I know who my provider is. Get thee behind me. But where he's come in and I got a, a, a notice from the day. Yeah, okay, well, you, you will get notices and so what? What do you believe? What has God told you? The test is not a struggle if you know the answer. My God should provide all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. That answers a lot of the test. I'm telling you, there's so many one answer things. He provides my needs according to his riches and glory. I'm not concerned about that. That's my answer. That's your answer. So he said it was good that I wasn't there because the fact that I wasn't there is going to give you a chance to see. Then he said, Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, let's also go that... This, listen, this is this right here. And I didn't understand this until now. Well, not to now, but to, to this time of this study. Then said Thomas, who's also called Didymus, um, Didymus, or Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, let us go that we may die with him. Why did they say that? Because they just said to him, wait a minute, didn't they try to stone you there before? So they expecting they're going to go and die with Jesus. Jesus, <laughs> Jesus is going to fix the situation that his friends asked. But they concluded, stumbling around in the darkness and not knowing what was going on, that God was taking them, Jesus was taking them there so they could all die together. What's that akin to? God showed me that's akin to when I say to you that I'm going to take care of something and then I don't move when you think I should, then you automatically start deciding and, and, and believing, well, maybe it wasn't my will. And then you start believing that, well, maybe God just didn't want me to have this. And you start speaking death over the thing before you even got an answer. Hmm. No takers. Hmm. That's what that that's what they're doing there. They're deciding without seeking the Lord and say, so why are we actually going? He said he said the glory of God may be manifested. And their response to that. Well, well let's just go all go die together. How many things did you put before God that God was in the process of manifesting and you start speaking death over it already? You start deciding it ain't him, it wasn't him, maybe it was never meant to be, and well, I guess we should all just let it die. And then you get five other church members to agree with you. Can, 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 we, can we be real right here? You get a couple of people to prophesize to you and they prophesize some mess that... <sighs> so this Diddy person, Ditsy, says, we're gonna go die. Jesus didn't even respond to that. I could see. 
Then when Jesus came, he found that he had laid in the grave for four days already. Now, Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem and about 15 furlongs off. I don't know how many furlongs, what a furlong is. I'm going to look that up. And many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Well, that's, you know, that's really nice. They already before had their opinion of, of, of Mary, but, you know, nicely that they're there, I guess. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was near or coming, went to him. But Mary, she chilled in the house. Are you seeing the beginning of the story manifested in the end? She's sitting there waiting because she knows that the Lord loves her. And she sent for him because she knew he loved her. Remember, Mary sent for him and said, because the one you die, you, you love is sick. So Mary already was expecting the move of love. Martha had some kind of anticipation that it had to happen in her timing or else God's love wasn't complete. Wasn't all that we thought it was. Well, maybe he just wanted me to experience that. Don't, don't fill in the verses for God because you couldn't see his love or couldn't wait for his love to manifest. Don't stop filling in your own story and deciding, well, let us just all go and die together because that wasn't the plan of God. Let's wrap it up. Hmm. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went to meet him. But Mary stayed still. The word is still. At peace, right? That's the word. That's what is translated as peace. She stayed still. She stayed at peace. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. See, circumstantially, if it didn't go the way I thought it should go, there was no way we could win. But I know even now, whatsoever thou ask the Lord, he will give it to thee. Now, this part is a, is, is a little bewildering to me because she's complaining that he died, but she said, but I know you have the power to do whatever you need to do. I want you to listen to me real close on this, saints. Are you listening? Are you listening? He's saying, she's saying, He's already, he died. If you had been here, he wouldn't have died. Things wouldn't have gone this way. But I know that you are still able to do whatever you will. And Jesus said to her, based on that statement, that's a powerful statement, faith statement. Jesus said to her, your brother shall rise again. She said to him, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Mind made up. How high God can move has been set in her mind. Thank God for Mary and Mary's faith. Thank God for Mary and Mary's faith. Because it was up to Martha, Lazarus would be dead. <laughs> there would be no, this whole story would have read different if it wasn't for Mary and her sit still, trust God, and wait faith. That person that she said, I'm sure she got an instruction from God. It's going to be all right. She probably heard Jesus where she was sitting in her living room when he said, this sickness is not unto death. She probably heard it. Why, why Martha was running out. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Call the doctor. Where's the doctor? Did you get the doctors? How many? Well, what did the doctor say? Well, the doctor said, you know, 
Mary said I'm. I'm gonna be still. I'm away. So Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes on me, though he were dead, yet he shall live. And whoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die because of this. That's my last verse for today. But let's, let's, let's now have some fun with that. Listen what Jesus said. I am the resurrection. I know he'll rise in the resurrection. I am the resurrection. First of all, the I am. Let's make sure we understand that because we read it as I am, meaning me is, but or I'm is. But when Jesus says I am, he this is not English. I am is the Jehovah name. So he said, Jehovah the resurrector. I am in that language. Remember when Jesus was talking to the, the, they were questioning him and he said, I am. And they want to stone him because he made himself God. I am. They know you're not talking about me. That word, that phrase, I am means you're, you're announcing the Jehovah name of God. So for somebody, one of them would have heard him say, I am resurrection they would have wanted to stone him right then he just made himself god again he just said jehovah me in the flesh i am resurrection and life and he that believes in me though you were dead you shall live that's not just eternal life i'm bringing it home that's right now, today. Though you be dead, you live. Whatever the situation is, whatever the circumstance is, whatever the problem is, whatever the health issue is, whatever, he said, you can live in me now. Though you're dead and don't have any direction, you live. So that's physically, that's spiritually, that's emotionally, that's mentally, that's socially. Though you're dead, you live. And he, whoever lives, and this is what proves it. And whoever lives and believes in me and believes in me and believes in me, believes what? That he loves you, and that he hears you, that you believe in me. Watch this. We'll never die. Do you believe this? He ends the question with. I'm going to read this one more time. I am the resurrection. Say, he is my resurrection in everything, in every circumstance, in every situation. Lord, you are my resurrection. So I am the resurrection and your life. You believe that though you are dead, you will yet live. Side note on that. How many of you were dead and now you live? I'm not talking about eternity. I'm talking about your life and everything about it was a mess. And you accepted him and you believed him and now you live. 
And now your life has meaning. And now you understand things you never understood before. Now things make sense to you. And stuff people told you you never do or never be, you are doing it. That's what he's saying. I am the resurrection and life. And you believe in me, though you were dead, though everybody said you went to jail, you, you messed your life up, you never have a good life, yet you live. And whoever lives, and if you are alive, now this is what I want you to get on my closing. Ready? And if you are alive, if you are a believer, saints, listen to me close. Say, whoever's dead, you don't know me. You got that eternal death, you're not saved. If you believe in me, you live. I'm your resurrection, you got life. And if you already believe, nothing in your life should ever die. If you believe, okay, you shouldn't have to be dead anymore and be resurrected. If you believe, if you're already a believer, you should never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Suffering, lack, pain, disease, that's not the children's bread. Emotional distress, mental problems and all this. That's not the children's bread. That's not your bread. A thousand will fall at your right hand, 10,000 at your left, but it should not come there. I'm scared to go to malls. They shooting up more. Not near me. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? I remember praying for God to heal me when COVID had attacked my body. And I remember just doing all this stuff and getting all the scriptures and the prayers that are very much and speaking it. And all that stuff is good. You need to do that. But the healing came when I came to the revelation that he loved me and he wanted me well. Healing came within, literally within 24 hours, I was totally healed. And I had had it for almost two weeks. In 24 hours, I was totally healed when I came to that revelation. I'm trying to get you to heal me. I'm trying to work the system. I'm trying to you know, confess and believe and, and say this and don't say that and, and, you know, just stand and don't stand, sit and when you can't stand no more and all this kind of stuff. And I, I need to get up and walk around. And, and God said to me, son, I hear you because I love you, not because you do all of that stuff. Daughter, I bless you because I love you. I answer your prayers because I love you. Those steps of faith you take only work after you know. And this is what he's saying. But those whoever believe, whoever believes, you'll never die. Do you believe this? I am the resurrected. You already resurrected. So yes, you have eternal life. But he also promised, and in this world, a hundredfold return. Do you believe this? God, I just want to thank you for today, for your word, for your truth. You love us and you do it all because you do. You are the resurrection, you are the life, we believe.
So in this series, God, show us how high free is. Open our eyes, open our heart and our spirit so that we can receive from you not just comfort. We thank you for comfort. We thank you for encouragement. But Lord, get us to the place now that we receive instruction. Instruction, next steps, how to win, where to walk, how to come out on top. We no longer want to walk around in darkness as the dead. We want to walk around in a light where we don't stumble. Let there be light in us and let us walk in that light. And we thank you for it. Victory is ours. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Let's just take a moment before me. Just worship him and thank him. Let's just sit before me and let this word soak in. Let this word soak in. Let it permeate our spirits. Let it soak in. Those who believe say, I believe. Amen. And amen. <laughs>